Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. And welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Essentials of an Abundant Life. Man, the titles are killing me today. I love this one because it's essential. It's essential and abundant in one sentence. It is. And and life will never be the same. You know that, people. (laughs) All right. So this episode, probably the most mentioned book throughout the years of doing this podcast and sitting across from you, has to be The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. Yeah. And that's what this episode is basically pulling from. And I love how you talked about sitting down and reading that book for the first time and how emotional of an experience it was for you. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't remember like where we were, what we were doing when we first got a a book. And you were able to do that so clearly. You talked about the room you were sitting in, the couch you were sitting on. And you had this huge breakthrough that day and you directly credited it to Wallace's words. So what is it about the science of getting rich that unlocked so much potential in you back in the day? So when I was a little kid, and I mean a little kid, probably between five and seven, I would say, my grandmother would take me to church on the weekends. Um, I was Catholic, so I had to do the catechism classes because you have to yeah. do all the, you know, there. all the different things. Um, and I'm hearing that we come from this loving God, right? So you're hearing all the religious stuff. In my experience at home, it was very, very different, right? So not only was what, you know, I was, I was born in 66, so even though I didn't directly experience like uh, Bobby Kennedy being killed and Martin Luther King, I, you heard about it as you were growing up because this was all really new information, you know, at the time. The Vietnam War was very, was very relevant, uh, you know, and all the stuff that was going on with that. And then my family had a horrific tragedy in 1970 where my uncle and my two cousins died in a house fire. It screwed up my family like to no end. So I'm witnessing this, and I'm thinking this is very different than what I'm learning in church. Why? And I'm also seeing that the world is very much different than what I'm learning in church. And I'm like, so if God is this loving God and he created all of his children out of love and there's all this love stuff and peace and and all this stuff, what the hell's wrong with people? Like, where are we getting this wrong? So... Nobody would answer this question for me. And I actually, Brandon, would get disciplined for asking this question. They're like, I'm causing trouble. And I wasn't. I was just an extremely curious child. Probably too curious for, you know, their comfort. But, it, but I was. That's who I was. So I, I started thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe we don't come from a loving God. Is that possible, right? Or... Is it true we come from a loving God, but there's something that people don't understand about this love or, or religion or, or whatever? Anyway, nobody could answer the question, so I kind of took that question and put it in my back pocket. It was there in the back of my mind, and I went on about my life. As I'm experiencing life, and I'm, my parents get divorced, and my grandparents die, and there's drama here and drama there, and I'm not making good decisions, um, and I start to move up through all of the well-known problems that I've talked about on the podcast and, you know, different seminars and stuff. Uh, 
I have this experience where I triple my income and I'm like, okay, I need to learn something. This is pointing a direction for me. So I'm out there and I'm learning. This question, though, is still in the back of my mind, right? Like there's something we don't understand. Well, as I'm learning and experiencing things, I'm getting this sense more and more that there really is a different side to all of this. And all I could tell you, the the best way I can explain it, it was just a feeling that I had inside of me that the way we experience life was kind of backwards. Like I thought, I really did think there was an abundance, but I never wanted to say anything about it because it didn't jive with what everybody else thought, right? Anyway, long story short, I'm introduced to this book for about two year period of time. I know about the book. I'm diligently searching for different material. I thought the book was about economics. So I didn't even pick it up and look at it, right? People will be like, have you read The Science of Getting Rich Yet? No, I'm I'm not interested in how you save money and where do you invest it. And that's what I thought the book was. So two years into this exploratory thing, one day I pick up the book and I'm like, oh, this this isn't what that's about. This is about kind of what I'm looking for. So I take it home and I sit down and as I start to read it, the way Waddles wrote that book, it was like, cha-ching, 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 all the pieces in my mind that were there but confused and I didn't know what place to put them in to make it work, it was like everything lined up that afternoon in my mind. And all of a sudden, I saw how the universe worked. And it brought me to tears because what I thought from when I was a little kid, even though I couldn't put it into the correct language or even the correct questions, I found out it was true and that it just all fell into place. And it was extremely emotional. It was like I was realizing something that I always knew, but I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like it was in me, but I wasn't conscious of it. And I felt like I, a part of me woke up that was dormant or something. So that's about the best way that I can explain it. But it was, it was very emotional. I I cried on that couch that afternoon. Well, and it makes sense that you remember exactly where you were the first time you cracked it and got into it wholly because it did leave such an impressionable, you know, feeling in yourself. It did. And there's so much to unpack in that. I've still got this visual of a, of a five-year-old mini Nagel running around the church, just wreaking havoc, asking questions (laughs) of adults that they did not want to answer. But how amazing is it that even then you were that astute. Like there's not a lot of five to seven year olds that are walking around wondering, you know, if it, if there's a loving God, then why is this happening over here? Right. Like you don't ask a lot of those right. questions and that's why they probably didn't answer it. But to your credit, you didn't let it stop you. And they didn't know how to answer yeah, it. I right. found that out later on because they would say, well, the mysteries of the Bible or there's certain things that we're not supposed to know as human beings because that's why we have to have faith. And I was not buying it. I'm like, this does not make any sense to me, right? Why would so many people suffer? And then you're going to school and you're learning history and you're hearing about the Holocaust and the Jews and Pol Pot and all these different horrific things that have happened throughout history. And you're thinking to yourself, no, there's something that is wrong here. There is something wrong. And I really wanted to know what it was. Yeah. And I love that you thought the science of getting rich was an economics book and you just were like, nope, not going to do did. that. Yeah, because think, but think about how many people. Don't shame like, me. I did. Yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you, like, you wouldn't know. I mean, it sounds like, oh, first of all, I read the word science. I'm not going there. It's probably going to teach me chemistry or some shit. And I don't want any part of that. But truthfully, 
you unlocked, you know, that the, the secrets within that book and then you've, you've taught it to so many other people. I mean, the science of getting rich is a huge part of your repertoire and, and we're all better because of it. Well, it was, the, it was the primary seminar that I taught for the first four years that I was in business. I mean, that what, now it's an art of success, but yeah. then it was the science of getting rich and I did it, I can't tell you how many times a year. Yeah, and you, can, and you know it inside and out, yeah. which I think is interesting when you talk about studying that book, you spotlight three chapters in particular, chapter four, 14 and 7 mm -hmm. and I hope I have these correct chapter 4 the first principle in the science of getting rich chapter 14 the impression of increase right. and then chapter 7 gratitude. gratitude and you would study them in that order right. we're so used to reading books chapter 1 chapter 2 chapter 3 you were learning at 4 14 and 7 can you talk about why that order is so important when you're diving into that book <clears throat> well the idea is that you go through it the, the the normal way first, right? And and I ideally you go to the seminar, um, although there's not too many people that teach that mm -hmm. seminar the, the the correct way. I know that I do. I know that Proctor does. I learned it from him. Um, and the order, by the way, came from Bob. That yeah. I didn't create that. Proctor did, and he gave it as a study guide. When we were done with the seminar, he'd be like, okay, so take the little green book, because we used to have this big, huge binder for the seminar, you know, with the three wings. Sure, yeah, that. yeah, thick. Well, you also got the little book, the little green book that was the science of getting rich, which was just the literature. And he would like every day study these three chapters, like just read through these three. It's the essence of the entire book mm. in these three chapters. So you burn it into your consciousness by doing that. It was the first principle, right? The impression of increase, how you need to show up and, and great gratitude is what keeps you connected to your source of supply. Yeah. And you can get access to that book right now and start right after listening to this show, yeah. going in and diving in. I mean, re read it cover to cover first. I like that idea because then you get a base, a baseline with which to work. But then you make it a daily study to read 4, 14, and 7. And they're not gigantic chapters. No. I mean, you can easily get through them, but feel those uh, emotions as you're going through it and you'll unlock some serious mysteries in your life for yeah. sure. I think he wrote... You know, to my understanding, Waddles was a farmer. And the other thing people don't know about that book is it's a trilogy. It's not just one book. It's There's the, the science of being great and the science of being healthy, I think, are the other two. I, if, if I'm, but that's really the book, yeah. the, sci the science of being rich. But he struggled with those questions all of his life. And then something happened where it all came into alignment for him, and he wrote this book. And... If you read the book, if you really study it and you start to, if you also study it knowing the seven laws of the universe, you realize the book is really based on the cause and effect of everything. And he breaks everything down into from the idea of wanting to get rich to actually pocketing money in your life. What is the psychological process from cause and effect in order for that to happen? And how does it actually work out? And then what do we do? every day, yeah. you know, to make that happen. So what I found was that as I was reading it, all of the superstition and all of the false things that I had learned just all fell away. And the only thing that was left was the truth. And it was simple. It was easy to understand. And it was something a person could follow. Powerful, powerful. Well, and just to do an on-the-fly fact check here, yeah, science of getting rich, science of being great, and the science of being well. So yeah, healthy. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So those are the uh, the classic trilogy. You can do a search on that, and you can find all sorts of information about it for sure. Well, I love it 
in the episode when you talk about money and you talk about money in general, that it's just an idea. It has no value other than the value we've assigned to it. I mean, for the most part, it's just paper with pretty pictures on it of dead presidents. So the more we begin to understand the idea around money and what it is, the more we break down the suspicion and superstition around it. That's what you said in the episode. And that's a powerful exercise in awareness. If you have fear around money, which, you know, I've had money fears most of my life. That was a pattern that was passed along for me from my parents. What do you advise people who are constantly worrying that there won't be enough in order to shift that pattern. Like that that fear of money is so strong that they're always worried about lack. They're living in lack and they want to believe abundance, but they just don't see it showing up in their life. Well, here's part of the problem. How are they raised in respect to, <clears throat> excuse me, cause and effect of money coming into their life? Because if you're raised, if your parents worked for somebody else, It's not that it's a bad thing, but just think about this. Your parents work for somebody else. They have a skill set. They go to work every day to give this skill set, and then their employer gives them a check at the end of the week. A big part of it is also staying in the good graces of that employer so you don't lose your job, right? So that check that a person is getting every single week for the entire time that they're working for this person is very volatile. It's based on a lot of different things. If I don't do that job right, I don't get a check. If I lose good graces with the boss, I don't get a check. If somebody comes in who's better, I'll do it cheaper, I don't get a check. There's so many things that we hear about this. And the underlying idea is I'm not in control of the money coming in. Somebody else could take this away from me at any moment in time. So we're not learning from a cause and effect perspective of how do we actually manifest money in our life. That's the first thing to understand. The second thing to understand is there is an actual way based on cause and effect to learn how to bring money into your life regardless of what anybody else thinks of you. And when you learn that practice, you're no longer locked into the idea that there's not enough because the idea that there's not enough is really rooted in somebody else is in control of the money that I'm making, right? As long as that's true, then yes, you are in a very vulnerable position. But when that's no longer true for you because you've learned something different and you're in control of those decisions and how it happens, you're not susceptible to somebody else making a decision that says you can't make it or earn money or earn as much as you want anymore. Yeah, it becomes almost limitless when you are able to work for yourself. I mean, we have people come to your seminars all the time who are in a job transitioning into their own private practice of some sorts, and they then go from being dependent on their skill set and the boss and all these other external factors into now I control how much I make or how little I make. Great part about it is the income is limitless. The bad part is you better be making sales every day or you're going to be out of business real quick. Yeah. And what the other thing that carries over is how much people like them or approve of them. They're worried about, will my team like me or approve of me? Will a customer like me or approve of me? Will my competition like me? Like there's this, it's so crazy, this idea that somebody else has to approve of you in order for you to feel safe, secure, and actually have money in your life. And there's nothing further from the truth. I mean, it's not true. It's just true in a rigged system, you know, where somebody else literally controls the money and they control how much you receive then it's true. But overall in the universe, it's not true. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned in the episode that everybody's a powerful manifester. And the problem is we manifest what we're in harmony with. So if you want to manifest something different, you have to change what you're in harmony with. So if your results aren't where you're at right now and you continue to manifest these things you don't want, you got to check your harmony level and where you're at. So 
if we're talking broad strokes here, what does that look like when we're trying to figure out what we're in harmony with? I mean, I know that it's specific to each person's experience, but you know, what does that look like when we just talk broad strokes about being in harmony with that thing we want to manifest? Well, I think it's, it's both um, belief-based and value-based. So if I'm in harmony, so let, let's look at it like this. If I'm not making the amount of money that I want to earn in life, not only am I not in harmony with the abundance of money, but I'm in harmony with whatever I think keeps me safe in life. And whatever keeps me safe in life is how I view it and what I know to do with it or what I don't know to do with it. So if I want to change that, I may have to change literally the values and how I see something to something that I may have been taught is dangerous, right? So entrepreneurs take risks that don't feel like risks because they know how to adapt to change. If something doesn't work, they do something else. Based on cause and effect, something's going to bring that, that money in. To somebody that doesn't know that, that's just the craziest risk in their mind. So they're in harmony with safety. So there's an education that has to take place here in order for you to switch from an internal value perspective of what keeps me safe and certain in life to what's going to bring me abundance so that I can feel like I can switch over to abundant thinking. Otherwise, it feels insane, and in many cases, irresponsible to actually do so. You know, it's not, it is a decision, but it's a decision based on some kind of education and what you actually know. So it's, there's an educated process that goes along with it. Yeah, and that's really strong in my background. And well, mine too. Yeah, mine too. something that I deal with. I, I mean, I still deal with it to this day. It's almost interesting to say it out loud is that even though we have tremendous amount of things that we've manifested in our life and, and money and putting kids through school and we have a nice place to live and beautiful cars, there's always that un you know unworthy piece that we'll talk about here in a little bit that I want to mention but it's just really interesting to see how it comes up and how the fear no matter how unfounded it is I've always I've always gotten what I needed when I needed it always I've never had to go without um, and I don't say that to be a, a brag or anything it's just it just shows up I believe in the laws of the universe but there's also those moments where I get you know because of my background I get fearful that uh, it's it's never going to be enough I'm never going to have enough I'm never going to be enough and all these other sorts of things so to hear you talk about it so beautifully and realize that you know if you're in harmony with the laws of the universe and you understand cause and effect, you understand polarity, you understand that it's here and here now, um, it's, a, it's a valuable lesson See, to but I don't think you. that that's what's going on with you. I no. don't think it's about enough. No. I think it's about, did I do something wrong? Because that was your big lesson yeah. as a child, right? It's true. You couldn't do something wrong or you were severely punished yeah. for it. Yeah. So as I know you, you th there are certain things that you would rather have Steph be responsible yes. for. So that if it goes wrong, she can be, be responsible for it. You don't have to live in that fear. So yeah. I don't think, because I see you, a person that doesn't think they're enough does not do the things that you do, mm. right? Sure. You, you've traveled all over the world with yeah. me. You do all upper end stuff with us. You enjoy it. You have fun. You're great to be around. You're an educated man. Um, you continually learn. You have great responsibility inside the company. That's not a person that doesn't feel that they're worthy. Okay. You have a fear that you're going to do something wrong and that 
that little six-year-old Brandon is going to get the shit knocked out of him again because they did something wrong. Yeah. That's what's going on with you. Shit, yeah, it is. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. You nailed it. <laughs> All right, that's a walk-off, folks. We got it. No, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about that, but you're right. It's a perfectionist quality, and it's easier to make something, because I still defer to Steph for most things right. when it comes to finances because, you know, I just, it's easier for me to be like, well, yeah, that was her that made that you know, risk. She took that risk. I didn't, even though we have a 50, 50 say in everything we do. So and and there's another thing. I, I don't think everybody's purpose is to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, so to speak, um, you're very, very good at the things that you do. You haven't got an extreme gift for those things that you, that you actually do with us. And I think that you're happy doing those things, right? It's a place that you excel, you get recognition for it, you know what you're doing. Everybody's good at something. So if we, here, this is what I was taught anyway. Let's say you're good at something that doesn't necessarily bring money in. You either find somebody that can show you how to do it so it can be done on the side, or you find somebody else to do it for you, right? The idea is that you're not ignorant to the process, which you're not. Right. You've been around it for 10, 12, 14 right, years. Right. You're not ignorant to the process yeah. at all. You know exactly how it works and what has to be done. And you live in your skill set and where you shine. Yeah. I hear that. Thank you. I think that's great. This is, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is totally getting me. This is what I'm going to bookmark for my own library because I'm okay. hearing things, you know, and you've said this to me multiple times. This isn't the first time we've had this conversation, but I think it's, it's powerful because I know there's people out there who probably feel the same way I do. Maybe the same sure. background, same upbringing. They can get a lot from what you just said. So I appreciate all that you just said. That was great. You're um, so another thing you said that I thought was great in the episode is you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Mm. And that soul gets its direction from desire that lives within you. So let's talk about desire for a brief moment here. You said that desire is the first energetic wave of consciousness that comes into the intellect, which, wow, I mean, that is a beautiful sentence in itself. So desire is the first energetic wave of consciousness, consciousness that comes into the intellect. Can you explain that again since when I heard it, and reread it multiple times. I just thought it was so powerful. So what it really is, is it is God communicating to us what our purpose is and what direction we should go in. We experience it as desire, but that's what it is. It's no different than instinct in a squirrel that tells it exactly when to start storing nuts and build a nest and mate with another squirrel. Like everything has some kind of a higher intelligence that tells it what its life purpose is and what it's supposed to do. We biologically have that the same as any other animal does. But from an intellectual and a spiritual being, a soul being, as you, as I said, or, and you repeated mm-hmm. that I said, desire is how we receive that higher purpose. Except so many people have made it wrong for so long so that they can manipulate people. They took that out of the picture. But people are starting to wake up to the fact that that's actually true. Now, I'm not talking about just casually wanting something. I'm talking about a burning desire where you seriously have a desire to be, do, or have something. That is God speaking with and through you, or the universe speaking with and through you to point you in the direction of what you're supposed to do and and who you're supposed to become and what your purpose is in life. Is that in line with uh, intuition and gut feeling? Is that desire or is that could be no, a little different? different. Okay, it, different. It's, it's different. That We have this sixth sense in us 
um, that is directly tied to our nervous system where we can pick up information, both positive and negative, things that uh, would maybe possibly keep us safe or give us some kind of higher consciousness about something that we may not be completely aware of. That's what intuition is. And we can get better at it by listening to it and trying to understand it and separate it from just normal emotion, right? But that's not what desire is. And desires can change, correct? It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Like if you have a desire right now and then three months down the road, it starts to flicker out. You don't have to continue to ride that desire train thinking I'm going to force this. If It can flame out, right? It, well, see, I think that if it's a true desire, then it only, it only flames out, if you will, once you've accomplished what that desire okay. is. And then you go on to the next one, right? I don't be I, I believe in very rare instances somebody will download the whole thing at one time. I have heard of it. I have heard people say that they knew since they were four years old that this is what their life was going to be. I totally believe them. Uh, but for the average individual, it comes in waves. It says, go do this, go buy that, go start this go experience this. And then when you do that, it opens up something else and you're able to receive more. And then you go on to the next and the next and the next and the next. That's how most people experience. Yeah. It's like a cross country road trip. You got to go through this town to get to the next town, to get to this town, to go from coast to coast. Exactly. You got it. Yeah. And it comes exactly. in ways. I love that. Well, there's this one sentence that you mentioned that you studied for six months and you said it'll change everything if you just study it. And this was Wallace Waddle's words here. The basis of all human advancement must be the science of getting rich. What was it about that that lit a fire under you to make the quantum leaps you did back in your day? Because basically what it explains is, is that there is a need for things in our life at certain times for us to go to the next level of whatever it might be. Money is one of those things. If we don't have money, we can't have food, shelter, clothes, education. We, we, in order to experience life at the level that we currently are living in the social evolution of it, we have to have money to do that. So in order for anything to advance forward, there has to be plenty of money for that advancement to actually take place. And if you look at anywhere in the world that is a third, that's, you know, like third world country or, or an, an underdeveloped nation, you find that all of that is, is, is restricted. It's retarded. It's, it's kept to a minimum. People are not experiencing that and they're not experiencing it because they don't have the resources to get the education and the experience to be able to then expand that experience in their life. Right. Yeah. Waddles talks in depth in the book about the right to be rich. And you've actually had a podcast before, uh, was titled, you have a right to be rich. So why aren't you? And I'll link to that in the show notes below. And that's so important that we know that we have a right, you have a divine right to be rich. In order to do that, it's not just money riches either. There's varying forms of riches. There's riches in intellect. There's richness in the heart, richness in how you how you process and the way you think. Right. So how do we reprogram our mindsets when it seems like so many people have been conditioned to just have enough? You know, even saying the word rich, and especially in today's culture, it's very interesting. There's a lot of wealth shaming that goes along, and everybody should get the same amount. And, and we don't necessarily prescribe to that it, argument here on this show. But why is it that so many people are conditioned to have just enough? Because they made it a value. It was if uh, and it, it was um, kings or dictators and religious institutions 
made it a value so that they could control the masses. They said, it is a, it, you're closer to God if you take away all the bullshit and you're just living mm. basically hand to mouth. That's the way to actually do it. While they were living in unbelievable abundance and right. extravagance, everybody else should live this way because that's the only way that you could actually be close to God. So they made it a value and it was passed on from one generation to another. And it doesn't change until somebody calls bullshit on it and they, and they realize that there is a different way of, do, of doing it. You go to any ghetto in the world, uh, you go to any poverty-stricken place, you see people that are starving in the streets, you see crime, um, you see, you know, just the nasty of the nasty, that's not closer to God. That there's, there's no correlation there that makes any sense whatsoever, right? right? And actually, the idea is that, well, you said rich, it could be rich of anything. If we have an abundance of the things that we need and the responsibility and, and uh, the, the common sense to use it in the correct way, we can direct it to advance very specific areas of our life and help other people advance their life. But there, there is a responsible way to do it. It's not just like, here, take all the money that you can and, you know, go get high all day and, you know, lay on the beach. And you know, it's not that kind of wealth. It is the wealth where there's a purpose to it. It's to make my life better. It's to make your life yes. better. We can make things better but because we direct it in a way that makes things better. Fantastic. Well, I'll circle back to this, even though I really don't want to in a way because it's going to talk about core wounds just to kind of close out this episode. And you talked about two main core wounds that most people have. And I mentioned one of them being, you know, unworthy a little bit ago yeah. and then unlovable. Can you explain why so many people have these two main core wounds? In, in short, to make it easy to understand, when a child experiences over and over again the things that they want and desire in life and the response is shame and guilt from the parents around them, they're, they're going to grow up not feeling worthy of the things that they want because they're being, being made wrong for either their desires or the way that they want to express themselves in their life. And then the one that goes along with it, which is unlovable, is they're rejected for who they are. And that happens not just from parents, but kids get that in the schoolyard, right? right? So if there's no reinforcement and, and correct teaching in a child's life, they're going to be very vulnerable in those two areas. Now, it may not be your fault that that happened, but once you become aware of it, it's your responsibility to change it. Yeah, and, and those feed right into you know, the science of getting rich. They feed totally right does. into that shame and yes. guilt that you're living with right now. You don't have to be living with it. You address it and it unlocks so many, so many opportunities for you and you will realize that there's a science to, to getting yes. to being rich. And because we actually deserve, it's our divine right to be loved, to be worthy, to do something productive with our life, to help other individuals, to create wealth, to spread wealth, to create education, to spread education, to treat people well. You know, th that is, that's rich. It's right. not just the cash. The cash right. is nice. It's great. You need it, but it's rich everywhere. You know, if you're rich in one area and broke everywhere else in your life, you're not rich. It's true. Well, I will say I appreciate you for this episode. This was a really good one for me. <laughs> like I said, it has been downloaded. It will be put on my phone and I will be listening to it over and over and over again. And I hope you do too. I love so, you. You know Yeah, that. I love you too, David. Thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.